0: Uh, how many of you are familiar with the movie series and former TV series called Mission Impossible? Most people are familiar with that. It's one, those, it's one of those series that, like, I actually texted a bunch of our 20-something-year-olds this week. And I'm like, do you guys know Mission Impossible? Just to make sure I wasn't using some really dated reference. But apparently they just keep making them. So I think there's another one coming out. So it's just all generations are uh, encapsulated in this Series. So the Mission Impossible is this series about a guy uh, named Ethan Hunt. And he's this guy, he's this operative that is always sent on these missions. He's, he always gets these assignments that are seemingly impossible. And probably one of the most iconic images, one of the biggest uh, ideas or pictures that you have in your mind is, is Ethan here, played by Tom Cruise, hanging in this vault by a cable, and he's trying to hack into a CIA computer, and this vault is, like, pressure sensitive and heat sensitive, and there are laser beams going all over the place, and, and, and he's trying to, you know, hack into his computer, and you remember, like, it's so sensitive that just one drop of sweat coming down onto his glasses, and his, if it drops onto the floor, the alarm will go off, and, you know, all will be lost, and the world will, you know, self-destruct or something, I don't know, but but... But he's got to save the day, and it's always this impossible mission, and, and there's also a line from this series, so as, as iconic as this image is, there's a line that probably most of you know, even if you don't know where it comes from, and it always comes from the mission commander right before he sends Tom Cruise out on one of these missions, and if you know it, help me say it, he says, your mission, should you choose to accept it, Right? your mission, and then he gives this like impossible mission. And what I love about that line is that it parallels the kind of relationship that you and I have with God and the kind of relationship he has with us, because he's always giving us an opportunity to seize the mission that he has for us, to accept the assignments that he has for us, or to reject them, to to pursue them, or to avoid them. And Tom Cruise always gets to say, yes, I accept the mission. Of course, he always does. Or he can reject it. Every single one of us always have this opportunity in our lives. God has assignments for us, and we have an opportunity to either accept them or reject them. We've been in the series where Jonah had a very explicit, clear, unequivocal mission, an assignment from God. Go to the Ninevites. Preach to the Ninevites. And you know, they need to turn their, turn their hearts around. And Jonah, remember, said, thank you for uh, offering me this mission. I refuse. And he went the other way and started sailing across the Mediterranean, tried to run from God. But God is, is speaking into every single one of our hearts, maybe not as explicitly, but in every single one of our hearts, he's saying, I've got some assignments for you in your life that I want you to accomplish and that I want you to accept. I've got some assignments. Maybe for some of you, you have an assignment in, in your own mind to start putting your trust in God rather than putting your trust in yourself, which is keeping you up all night, worrying and anxious and nervous about your future because you can't predict your future, but you're trying to, and you're trying to control things that are outside of your control, and God is saying, I want you to accept your assignment to put your trust in me because I will direct your path. Maybe your assignment in 2018 for some of us is is to treat our bodies like the temple of God, and not abuse them or exploit them in ways that don't bring honor to God and, and don't uh, don't uh, align with our true identity. And God is saying, I've got some assignments for you. Maybe for you, some some of you, it's some assignments in your relationships. There are some there are some things that God wants you to do and say and move forward in some of your relational interactions and it's kind of hard to do it and you're hesitant to do it and you're reluctant to do it and God is saying, I want you to accept your assignment. I've got specific assignments. Maybe it's in the way you speak. Maybe it's in the way you think. Maybe it's in the way you interact with other people. Maybe it's in your, some habits in your life that God has for you and he says, I've got some specific assignments for you but I need you to accept them. I need you to stop running and stop avoiding and stop resisting. There are some habits I need you to lay down. Some moral and spiritual Habits that you need to lay down and then there's some others that I want you to pick up so my goal today is Is very simple and that is to compel you to convince you to urge you to invite you to do one thing and that is to accept your assignment Jonah had one one job Jonah accept your assignment and Jonah ran And he ran. And God is saying to some of us, I really, really want you to accept your assignment. If you're not familiar with the story of Jonah, and most of us have a sense of what that story is, uh, you can either go back and watch the series, which I recommend uh, up to this point. This is part three. Um, But I will also briefly summarize it for you. He was a prophet, and there there was this group of, of Assyrians, these Ninevites, and Jonah was a proud person and he was very, he was, he was very into himself and his own ethnicity and his own uh, culture and his own religion, and his own race. And God said, I want you to go to the Ninevites, preach to them because they're, they're messing up royally. They're doing it really wrong. And if you go preach to them, they might turn around and follow me. And Jonah says, I have no interest in preaching to that group of people. I have, I have zero interest. I, those aren't my people. I don't want to go to them. And so he, he rejected God's assignment and he ran and God sent some, some waves and God sent some wind. And God sent some rain, and God sent a pretty bad storm, and then God sent some sailors to throw Jonah over the side of the ship, if you recall. And Jonah then was in the water, and then God sent uh, my favorite feature of the story, a big old fish who ate Jonah up and took him down into the depths of the sea. And if you were here last week, you'll remember I said if, you, if, you're, if you're skeptical, if you, if you have a hard time swallowing the fish story. Um, thank you, Robert. I appreciate that. That was so kind of you to laugh. My son, Jameson, made me promise that I would say that today, but that's the last time I'm saying that. Um, If you have a hard time accepting the fish part of the story, um, just set your skepticism aside for the moment because it turns out the story is not about whether an actual fish can swallow an actual man. It's actually a story about how God pursues us in impossible situations because he wants to transform us because he has some assignments that he wants us to accomplish and he's going to keep coming after us with his relentless love and his relentless pursuit. He keeps coming after us, even when we run, even when we hide. We learned last week that when we run from God, we run from good. The good that God has for us is, is, is only available to us when we pursue it. And we also learned that when we run long enough, we eventually run out of options. A lot of times in our life, we end up in checkmate. We end up going, I don't have any more moves. I've done everything that I can do, and I find myself in the same situation that I was in when I started, and the faces are different, the names are different, the scenario is different, the streets are different, maybe the city is different, I got a different job, and I'm in the same boat as I was when I started because I've been running from God. But then we also learn that no matter how far we run and no matter how fast we run and no matter how long we run and no matter how strong we run, we never outrun God. God keeps running after us Over and over and over. His love is relentless. His pursuit is relentless. And he's coming after us because why? A, he wants us to stop running. But I want to take it further than that. I want to go a step deeper from that today. He doesn't only want us to stop running. He actually wants us to stop and turn around and accept our assignment. So just a brief definition. Accepting our assignment simply means seeking and pursuing that which we know to be right and good. Running from God is avoiding and resisting that which we know to be right and good. But, but accepting our assignment means pursuing that which we know to be right and good. And I don't assume today that anybody here, the, that, that everybody here, is a Christian. Some of, some of us here, some of you today are not wouldn't consider yourself Jesus followers. You're actually just kind of checking it out and, and maybe you're, you're considering it or somebody brought you here and you're thinking, well, maybe, you know. And so you're here and you're kind of like just checking it out. And, and I don't assume that all of us are saying, yeah, Lord, you know, I'm all in with you. But I will assume this, that if you're here, there's some at least ember, glowing ember in your heart of hope that maybe there's a purpose in your life that maybe there's some, some meaning in your life that God is calling you into that, that you want to pursue. And maybe you, you didn't pursue it for a long time. Maybe you rejected and, and, and ran from God for a while, But there's a glimmer of hope. It's like a little tiny coal. It's a little flame. And you really, you think, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I can do what God wants me to do. Maybe I can become the man or woman God wants me to be. But I'm not sure. My goal today is simply to fan that flame. My goal is to simply encourage you and inspire you and, and invite you to accept your assignment, to go after what God has for you, to pursue him. Because it doesn't matter how far we run, he's always there and he's always available to, to turn us around and put us on mission. So, I'll also assume this, that whatever yours is, whatever assignments that God is calling you into in your life, I'm going to assume that they're difficult. They're not easy. Like, the easiest thing to do is to run and hide. The easiest thing is to avoid that which is good and right. It's very easy to do that. No one, I never have to teach my children to do wrong. I've never had to sit down with them and go, let me explain to you about how to punch your brother in the face. You know? they already get that. Because, because doing that which is right and good is difficult. And some of those things, for some of you, may seem worse than difficult. They may seem impossible. They may seem mission impossible. Some of the stuff that you know deep down in your heart God wants you to do just doesn't seem possible. For God to call me to be the man that he wants me to be as a husband and as a father and as a pastor, I mean, to really do it the way Jesus talks about it? Love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go all in. Carry the cross it, unless you love me more than family. I mean, it's like, I, that's impossible. That's impossible without him, right? But, but there's, a little, there's a little hope in my heart. There's a little ember of hope in my heart that maybe God can see me into my mission and help me accept my assignment so what i want to do is i want to dive into uh that wasn't that wasn't meant to be a pun we're gonna but we will dive in to um (laughs) that was strictly accidental um we will dive into uh to uh where we left off with jonah last time because what i love about this moment in jonah's life this is the turnaround moment this is the moment in jonah's life where he stopped running he reached the very very end and he turned around and he started pursuing God. So let's pick up where we left off last week. It says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah did what he should have done a long time ago. He, he actually did the only thing that he could do at this point. Jonah prayed. He prayed. When you're down there in the pit and you got no choices... Might as well pray. So he prayed, and it says this. Here's his prayer. He said, The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. My circumstances were just a mess. To the root of the mountains, he said, I sank down. I was going down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. In other words, I couldn't even get back up from the land of the dead. But you, he said, Lord... My God, you brought, me, you brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer, my prayer rose to you. If you want to accomplish the assignment that God has for you, you got to know that divine assignments require divine assistance. You cannot accomplish the things that God wants you to accomplish on your own. In fact, if you wanna know, hey, am I pursuing my divine assignment right now? Ask yourself, can you do it on your own? Because if your goals for your life are the kind of goals that you can accomplish on your own, they're not big enough. They're not big enough goals. They're not God goals. They're not divine assignments because divine assignments require divine assistance. I can do a lot of things on my own, but I can't do the things that God wants me to do unless I get some help from God. Divine, divine assistance comes in two ways. One way is, is, a, is a direct way through prayer by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Sometimes we, sometimes we literally just need to go, God, I need help. I'm trying to raise some teenagers and I need some help. Or I'm trying to work out this relationship, God, and I, I, I don't know how to do it. I need some help. God, I need to get through this this education process, and I'm all tangled up, and I need some help. God, I've gotten myself into some circumstances in my life, and I've entangled myself and entrapped myself, and there's some seaweed wrapped around my head, and I need your help. I need some help getting out. So sometimes we need that direct divine assistance from God. In fact, during our 21 days of prayer and fasting, we had different people leading, leading us into different uh, 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 studies. And one of the studies we did was uh, on, on, in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus comes upon some of his disciples and his disciples are surrounding this young man and this young, this young boy who was oppressed by an evil spirit and this evil spirit had been throwing this boy into fire and throwing him into water and destroying him. And sometimes we know what that's like. We know what it's like to keep running into things that damage us and injure us and harm us and, and we keep running into those things. And a few chapters earlier, Jesus had assigned his disciples to... to to pull these kind of demons out, to cast these demons out, to heal people and do all this kind of stuff. So they had received their assignment from Jesus, but they're all surrounding this kid and they're trying to heal this kid and they can't do it. And when Jesus comes, they're all squabbling. People are arguing. What's the matter with you? Why can't you do what God, you know, thought you were supposed to be like this great Jesus guy and da, 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 da And they can't do it. And Jesus comes and very calmly relieves this boy of this oppressive spirit. And his disciples come afterwards and they pull him aside and they go, Jesus, you know, you assigned us to do this. Like, why, why couldn't we do it and you could do it? And Jesus said, this kind comes out only by prayer and by fasting. In other words, he said, if you want to accomplish a divine assignment, you need some divine assistance. You need to get into a deeper relationship with the source of your strength. You need to get into a deeper relationship with the source of your power if you want to do some of the things that I've called you to do. If you want to accomplish the things that I've assigned you to do in your relationships and in your job and in your finances and your health and in your, in your, in your marriage and in your school, you got to get some assistance from God. The other way that we get divine assistance is, is through the people that God assigns to us. You see, a lot of times... God will assign people into our lives. We'll have relationships with people that will actually help us and lead us and guide us. In fact, most of us know that the the spiritual growth that we've experienced is largely due to the relationships that we've been in. Most of us here, including myself, could not name five of my last sermon titles. But all of us here, could name the five most influential people in our lives, right? Because a lot of times divine assistance comes by way of individuals that God puts in our lives to help us and to strengthen us and to encourage us. A few weeks ago I learned that we, we were going to have to remove this whole stage that you see up here. This is, like a, this is a temporary stage that's built into this orchestra pit. And they needed to get in under this stage and do some painting and cleaning and some maintenance. And and so the Tivoli management contacted me and said, we got to get up under that stage. You guys got to remove that stage. And this stage is, there's a lot going on here. There's cinder blocks under there and cables and wires. And it's heavy and it's tough and it's not easy to do. And, you know, it was assigned to me. So I did what any good leader in my position would do. I delegated that assignment (laughs) to our youth director, Tyler Nyansk. At our staff meeting, I said, your mission, should you choose to accept it? Uh, Tyler said, I accept. And and I knew something about Tyler, and I trusted Tyler to do it because I know that he knows that he can't do it on his own. I mean, Tyler weighs, how much do you weigh, Tyler? (laughs) Buck 40 soaking wet? No, no, no. No, he's tough, though. He's wiry. He's, He's tough. But I knew he was going to need—I knew he was going to need some some assistance, and but I left it up to him. And Sunday afternoon, I got a text message, and uh, after all the stage had been cleared, after all the wires had been cleared, after all the cinder blocks had been removed, and the text message didn't have a single word; it just had this picture. <laughs> you see, you see, Tyler knew if you got a difficult assignment. You got to get some assistance. If it takes a team of people to disassemble and reassemble a stage, a platform at a church, what's it going to take in your life to disassemble some of the habits, some of the patterns, some of the sins, some of the things in your life that need to got, be gotten rid of, and then to rebuild you into the man or the woman that God wants you to be to pursue his purpose, to achieve your assignment? You're going to need a team. You need people around you to strengthen you and support you and love you and care for you and pick you up when you have fallen down. Nobody's even looking at me. You guys are so into that. You guys, I'm going to make that point all over again. No. We're launching life groups, as I mentioned. And guys, I, I just mean it. I, I mean this. Without the support and strength of other believers in your life helping you along... You will not grow spiritually. You will not grow spiritually. Being a Christian is is being a part of a body. That's, That's at the core, at the root of being a believer. It means you are intertwined, your life is intertwined with the lives of other believers, and you are growing together. And you are strengthening one another. And you are caring for one another. If you're here today and you're a member of our church and, and you have any interest or any inclination to just learn about what it means to lead a life group, go to the training today. Right after the service, go to the training. We will equip you. We have all, everything you need. We will train you. We'll empower you to go out and, and lead a life group and help people grow together. And then next week, join a life group. Be a part of it because divine assignments require divine assistance and divine assistance comes by way of brothers and sisters in the Lord helping you along and strengthening you and encouraging you. Amen? So, Jonah finally, finally prays, God, you know, I need you. I'm ready to turn around. I need some divine assistance and here's what the Lord did. It said, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So, I know, somebody said, ooh, these teenagers up here, I'm getting good feedback. The, the thing is that when, we, when we're being delivered out of a pit, we really don't care about the vehicle God uses to deliver us out of the pit. We're just glad to be delivered, somebody. I don't care, Lord, if you pick me up in a Porsche or a Pinto, but get me out of this pit <laughs> and get me on my way to where you've called me to be. Jonah is... Vomited onto dry land. (laughs) That'll preach. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Watch this. Came to Jonah a second time. Look what he says to Jonah the second time. Go to that great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I gave to you. Second verse, same as the first. (laughs) I told you before and I'm going to tell you again. Do the thing I told you to do. God will not conform his assignment to your will, but he'll conform your will to his assignment. He wants to transform you from the person you are into the person he wants you to be in order for you to accomplish your assignment. But that's going to take some transformation in your heart and in your mind and in your spirit. He's got to have to change some stuff inside of you. Our dream team, we have this party every year. Every year we have this blowout party and it's a blast and it's hilarious and super fun and all kinds of stuff going on, music and food and all this. And last year we did it at Third Degree Glass Factory down on Delmar, which is just a blast. And they did this presentation for us. And the presentation was how do you mold glass? How do you form glass? And it turns out that what they do is they take this molten glass, they've got to put it into a furnace that's 1,090 degrees. It's hot. But that makes the, the glass properties malleable and pliable and fluid enough that the designer the artist can transform that lump of glass into a beautiful artwork they can transform it into the to the to the lamp or to the vase or to whatever it is that they're trying to make but there's some heat involved there's some pressure involved there's some stretching involved there's some plying involved there's some there's some movement involved God wants to transform you into the person that he made you to be, but sometimes it's going to require a little pressure, and sometimes you're going to feel a little bit of heat, and sometimes you're going to feel a little bit of discomfort, and sometimes it's going to stretch you, and sometimes it's going to hurt a little bit because he's trying to make you into a beautiful work of art because he's got something to do with you, but he's got to work on you in order to work through you. You understand? In in fact, we get obsessed, We we get fixated sometimes about what is happening to us. And God is saying, I'm not as interested about what is happening to you. I'm interested in what's happening in you. You see, these circumstances that I'm putting you in, they're making you into something. They're molding you into something. And they're molding you into the person that you need to be in order to accomplish the task that I've assigned. I want to change you. Jesus' half-brother James writes this letter, and in the letter he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you experience trials of every kind and hardships of every kind because the testing of your faith brings perseverance. And perseverance, when it gets done, creates you into a mature and complete person lacking in nothing. God's saying, I'm working on you. I am working on you, and it's uncomfortable, and it's difficult. But the end result is that you will be pliable, you will be obedient to my will, and you will do the thing that I've called you to do. Today, God is doing that in some of our lives. And rather than avoid that, and hide from that, and duck from that, we should be running into that. We should be saying, God, whatever you need to do, mold me into the man, mold me into the woman you want me to be because I know you've got something for me and I know you've got stuff for me to accomplish, but I need to be shaped into the kind of person that I need to be in order to accomplish that assignment. Jonah, Jonah finally did it. Jonah finally allowed God through wind and rain and, and storm and sea and fish breath and seaweed to transform him into an obedient person because the scripture says finally jonah obeyed finally jonah said okay i surrender i relent i'm going to do it i give up you've assigned me and i'm going to do it jonah obeyed the word of the lord and went to nineveh proclaiming now here's jonah's sermon someday i'm going to preach just on this here's his entire sermon 40 more days and nineveh will be overthrown that's the whole sermon That's the whole, that's one sentence. No points, no pictures, I mean, but it worked. The scripture says, the Ninevites believed God, a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. In other words, they repented. They turned their hearts to God. When God saw what they did and how they turned turned from their evil ways, he relented, and he did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. Here's what the scripture is trying to teach us through this obedience. And that is divine obedience leads to divine outcomes even when the obedience is overdue. Even when the obedience is overdue. I struggled with this last, this last point of the sermon because what I originally wrote is divine obedience leads to divine outcomes. And that's true. But that can still be discouraging for those of us who have spent time running and disobeying and that doesn't capture the whole story of Jonah because in the story of Jonah he didn't obey for most of the time but God still honored his obedience even though his obedience was overdue today some of you may be thinking that in your own life and in your own relationship and in your own struggles and in your own career path and the decisions that you've made, you've actually kind of gotten to a point where accepting that assignment really wouldn't have much value, wouldn't have much merit, because you've been running and resisting for so long that like, gee, you know, what can I do at this point? What, what really can God do at this point? Because I've already missed the boat on this or that. I've already, I've already missed my calling on this or that. I've already... I've already rejected him on these things in my life and I'm at this point in my life now, I just don't know if it would be worth it to try to muscle up again and pursue him and go after him. I mean, I mean really is it gonna have that much effect? But that's what the story of Jonah is about. It's about a God who keeps pursuing us even when we disobey. And even when our obedience is overdue, the outcome is still the way he wants it to be. He can can transform the outcome when we are obedient. Even if the obedience is way, 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 way overdue. When when Jesus healed the, the kid and relieved him of this evil spirit, the father of the kid cried out to Jesus in the middle of it and said to Jesus, he said, Jesus, I believe, I believe you can do this but I need you to help me with my unbelief. God, I kind of believe you can restore this relationship, but I kind of don't believe it. I kind of believe that you have a path for me and a purpose for me, but man, I kind of don't believe it also. I kind of believe that you can help me alleviate this habit and quit doing the thing that I've been doing but I kind of don't think it's possible I kind of think that I can pursue you and pursue the spiritual disciplines that you have for my life but I kind of don't believe it and Jesus says something so fascinating he says all things are possible for those who believe a couple chapters later he says with man, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So, my question for you today is what is your mission impossible? What assignments in your life are you pretty confident that you cannot achieve on your own? What things in your own heart and in your own mind do you feel like, well, yeah. It'd be great if I could do that. It'd be great if, if I had the will or the strength or the, the ability or the power to do that. But, I mean, I, that's impossible. Because God is saying it's not impossible. God is saying even when you've run far away, even when you've rejected him a long time, even when you've turned from him, he can turn you around. Some of you are not running from him. You're pursuing him but you still are having a hard time trusting that he can present the outcome that he wants through you. I I wrestle with that every, every week, every day. God, can you really use me to do the thing that you actually want to do? Can you? Right? And I'm pursuing him. I'm going after him. And God is saying, look, all things are possible to those who believe. Put your faith in me come after me because I'm coming after you and I'm not going to stop running after you. So you might as well stop running and turn around because I've got stuff for you to do. And I'm not going to change the assignment. I'm just going to change your will so that you can come on board and do what I've called you to do. So my one invitation, my one challenge in every area of your life, whether it's your finances, whether it's some habits that need to be addressed whether it's some relationship issues that are going on in your heart, whether it's a career thing, whether it's a school thing, whether it's a church thing, whatever it is, my call, my invitation, what I'm imploring you to do, no matter how far you've run, no matter how fast, no matter how long, no matter how strong you've run, it's time to turn around. Stop running and accept your assignment.